Hello and welcome to Gunfighter Cast, episode 96, The Absolutes of Firearm Safety. I'm your host, John McGregor. If this is your first time joining us, the purpose of this show is to discuss firearms equipment and training as it relates to self-defense from a military, law enforcement, and responsible citizen perspective. The other host of Gunfighter Cast and its creator is Daniel Shaw. He's a retired Marine infantryman and currently Director of Training for Thunderbird Tactical in Wichita, Kansas. I'm a uh, recently retired uh, law enforcement officer, retired from full-time law enforcement in 2014, uh, currently working in the corporate security field, and I'm a part-time instructor for Sig Sauer Academy in Epping, New Hampshire. Daniel started the program back in 2009 while he was stationed in Okinawa, Japan. I joined the show in 2012 as his co-host, if you've been listening to us for a while, you know that uh, we haven't put out uh, many episodes lately. The last episode was August 2014. We have been working behind the scenes to get the show back up and running. Daniel, uh, obviously his uh, employment's changed, mine has changed, but I think we're in a place where we can start putting out some new episodes now. As you can tell from the opening of the show, we decided on a new theme song. That's music from King Hyenix and links on how to obtain that track will be in the show notes. If you find some value in our material here and you'd like to support the show, uh, Daniel set up a Patreon page at patreon.com slash gunfightercast. Another way to support the show is just send in your feedback. Appreciate any feedback or any suggestions for future topics. You can email me directly at john at gunfightercast.com. Daniel's not here today, so I'm going to be running solo. If uh, nothing else, when he sees how badly I screwed this up, maybe he'll come back and record some new episodes with me. It's been a while since we've put out a new episode, and I wanted to get back to basics, really. Uh, the best equipment and tactics don't matter if you or someone else gets uh, injured or killed at a, a training session or competition or even just a trip to the gun store. So just wanted to get back to a uh, you know basic um, topic dealing with firearm safety, and today's show is going to be about the absolutes of firearm safety. Before we get into the main topic area of the show, I want to thank a couple of our friends who have supported us in the past. First of all, Aries Gear, uh, Best Belts in the Business, and Dark Angel Medical. Uh, not only do they have some great tactical medical products, but also provide training to show you how to use those. When I come back, we're going to start the topic section of the show. We're going to be discussing a video. So if you'd like to see the video before I start to talk about it, I've created a link for that at gunfightercast.com slash WordPress slash video 96. Welcome back. I got the idea for my next segment after watching a video on YouTube entitled Police Officer Shoots off finger at gun store which we put up on the uh, Facebook page asked uh, you guys what you thought the takeaways were from this video the video in question shows a police officer uh, assume he's a police officer because the video says so and they couldn't put it on the internet if it wasn't true but he is in full uniform he's uh, at a gun store uh, you're kinda getting a view from what be the right side of the counter He's kind of close to the camera, uh, talking with somebody behind the counter. 
little further down the counter, which would be the officer's left. There's a, a group of people down there as well doing some shopping. Uh, at some point, the clerk behind the counter hands the police officer a gun from the display case. Uh, the officer uh, doesn't clear it. Neither does the gun store clerk when he hands it to him. Nobody clears it. Uh, the officer manipulates the gun and uh, goes off. And uh, I guess according to the comments in the video, ultimately shoot off one of his fingers. So that's the video in question that I asked you guys to uh, look at and give me your takeaways. Uh, first, we have Andrew Carlson, who commented there's going to be a new episode, because that would be awesome. And I can guarantee if you're hearing this now, there is a new episode. Uh, Adam Litke commented, you break more than one safety rule and nothing good comes from it. And he further, he says the store should take responsibility for having a loaded firearm in the case. This could have been far worse. But he also says the police officer needs to take responsibility for pulling the trigger of a gun he did not clear. Can't really argue with any of that. Uh, ben Harris said two idiots meet at a gun counter. I don't really think they're idiots, but uh, I definitely think they're two people who became complacent in their firearms handling skills. Ben thinks the responsibility is on the police officer. Almost all the laws were broken here. Uh, I think he's referring to the firearm safety laws, the typical four that we'll, uh, we'll discuss a little bit later. Uh, he did not make sure the gun was unloaded. He didn't take the mag out, chamber empty, rack the slide several times. He says the store bears the responsibility of having idiots working for them. Again, maybe not an idiot. Uh, it, it's hard to tell. This could be the first time either of those made that mistake or could be uh, one of several times those people have made that mistake. Wyatt Hayrand. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but uh, he says the safety rules work. The moment you don't respect them, bad things can happen. I don't see anything to disagree with there. That's good advice. Uh, Cephas Bowman advises uh, when you pick up a gun, you assume it's loaded, and you open the chamber to verify status. When you hand someone a gun, you first inform them of its condition, and when you are handed a gun, you verify it's in the condition you were informed of says that these two in the video got off to a bad start. It could only get worse. As soon as the uh, police officer grabbed it, it looked like his finger went straight to the trigger. It does appear that way in the video. Jacob Graham uh, comments, in addition to his own hand, the law enforcement officer sweeps four people down the counter. Could have been tragic. Absolutely. Uh, Travis Hardy says, I think the takeaway is number nine. I'm not sure if that's the General's Chicken or the Golden Fingers he's referring to. I think he's referring to Chinese food. Now, for those of you who don't know, Travis Hardy actually runs the uh, pro shop at the Sig Sauer Academy. And he'd be more than happy to answer any of your questions at any time. In fact, I have his cell phone number, so I'll put that in the show notes. Please, uh, please call him around the clock with any questions you may have. Uh, Eric Grooms concurs with all of the above. Uh, Dave Solm basically says everybody screwed up uh, here. Antonio Davia always assume guns are loaded. Brian Sheets, a tragic case of two gentlemen who have handled guns enough to the point that they've lost respect for the gun. Yeah, I, I agree with that totally. I think it's uh, some complacency there. Jake Danger Martini 
Danger is his middle name, apparently. He works at a small gun shop. Uh, when I had a firearm, um, sorry, when I hand a firearm to a customer, he's explaining how he's always uh, makes sure that it's unloaded. But he says when he goes to a gun store, he always double checks, even if an employee hands the pistol that way. Carlo Sanchez says it's a case of natural selection. Uh, John Summers, to paraphrase, says that uh, you should know not to put your, looks like put the gun uh, pointed at your hand, so he says it's the uh, police officer's responsibility. Dirk Kramer says video should not have been posted, no privacy anymore. Uh, I agree with that. Everybody's got a video camera now. You know, we're putting video cameras in our cars to watch us drive around in case we get in an accident. Body cameras being worn. Everybody's recording everything. So, yep, there is no privacy anymore. Alessandra Colejo. Uh, everything went wrong since the beginning. Salesperson did not check the gun. The police officer should know better. Well, that is all true. Geo Coes. Stupid is handling a loaded weapon. In a store display case, everybody was at risk. Marty Thomas, both parties are to blame. The gun shouldn't have been loaded, but the police officer should know the rules of gun safety. I think he violated all four. Our Dennis Whitfield uh, gave a smiley face. I'm sure he's just happy with our Gunfighter Cast Facebook page. Andrew Shortill, super stoked for some new episodes. Uh, hopefully this doesn't disappoint. Mitch Lewis, at least he didn't stick it into his belt. No, this isn't an episode on appendix carry, so we'll leave that there. Charles Cherry, you always, always, always know the condition of the firearm that is handed to you, no matter what the other person tells you. True. Trust but verify might be good advice to follow in that situation. Mike O., well, we did not know the gun was loaded. I would think that he would look it over being a police officer. So lucky he didn't get anyone shot in the store, which is true. Uh, John Griswold comments, so he sues. Apparently the police officer in the video, the reason the video is posted is he is suing the gun store. So John Griswold says, so he sues. Uh, one, you don't clear the weapon. Two, you pull the damn trigger. Three, you had your finger in front of the bang end, but it's the dealer's fault, dot, dot, dot. Uh, let's see, Chris Ratings, rule number one, guns are always loaded, even when they aren't, always, always check the chamber. Alani Tingren, I've never had anyone at any gun shop not check for a clear chamber when handing me a gun. Always stick to the same safety routine, no matter who the customer is. Agreed, and uh, Steve Cornell, I think, agrees as well. And uh, Lonnie did go on to clarify the officers to blame as well for not following safety rules. Christopher DeShane thinks we're forgetting who the real victim in all this is. He thinks it's the handgun. He says, it'll be okay, little guy. It's not your fault. All your handlers were incompetent. Uh, again, maybe not incompetent, but definitely complacent. Jeff Cornwell just uh, comments, dumbass. Not sure who he's referring to in that. Uh, Either the guys in the video or me for posting. I guess uh, we need further clarification on that. William Petty. I guess the biggest takeaway would be his finger. Dun -dun -dun. Yeah, what can I say about that? Definitely a serious thing. The guy did get injured. Donald William. Four rules of gun handling still apply. And Andrew Davis. Uh, losing a finger is a sure way to regain lost respect for the four rules. 
Any self-inflicted gunshot wound you can walk away from is a good one. And almost certain to be your last. Uh, had to read that a couple times. Any self-inflicted gunshot wound you can walk away from is a good one. No. Maybe not a good one, but I definitely see what, uh, what Andrew's saying. Could have been a lot worse. Uh, as far as the video itself, um, you know, we had some, some different opinions there. Some thought it was the police officer's fault. Some thought it was the gun store clerk's fault. Personally, I don't think you can blame either of them as having the sole responsibility for what happened. I think both of them share a part in it. Uh, as far as do I think the police officer should sue? Uh, well, the thing to remember in a civil case is he doesn't have to prove that it was the gun store clerk's fault versus his fault. There's no, uh, nobody's got to be absolutely proven responsible. It's a, instead of, um, in a civil case, you're talking about a preponderance of the evidence. You know, with that standard, all he has to do is prove that the, the clerk was more responsible than he was for what happened. You know, being a police officer, maybe I'm biased, but I think if the clerk never hands the officer a loaded firearm, he never shoots his finger off. Um, but again, it's as far as who's more responsible, uh, I think it's pretty, if anybody's more responsible than the other, it's pretty close, 51%, 49%. I'll uh, let you guys determine who you think should be more responsible. And at some point, a court of law will tell us if we're right or not. One of the uh, reasons I, I saw this video and I wanted to make it somewhat into an episode, talk about things, is not so much in you know the comments on our Facebook page, but when I saw comments on the video itself, a lot of the comments were you know, repeatedly quoting you know, basically the firearm safety rules and, and kind of coming at the opinion that uh, is it so hard just to follow the firearm safety rules. And generally the, you know, the rules that were quoted were, you know, some variation of uh, Jeff Cooper's four firearm safety rules. Just for review, all guns are always loaded even if they're not. Treat them as if they are. Number two, never let the muzzle cover anything you are not willing to destroy. Uh, for those who insist that this particular gun is unloaded, see rule number one. Uh, rule number three, keep your finger off the trigger till your sights are on target. Uh, this is the golden rule. Its violation is directly responsible for about 60% of inadvertent discharges. Rule number four, identify your target and what is behind it. Never shoot at anything you have not positively identified. And I stole that off Wikipedia, so obviously Jeff Cooper must have said that. But those are uh, basically the four firearm safety rules. Some people have different ways of saying those uh, variations of those four firearm safety rules. We have something uh, pretty similar, but it worded a little bit differently at uh, Six Hour Academy that, that I use when I teach both at the academy and, and when I taught law enforcement as well. But the um, you know, going back to the premise, you know, is it so hard to follow the firearm safety rules? And I mean, regularly, um, in you know my experience teaching uh, firearms, I would have some type of safety briefing at the beginning of class, and you know, explain the firearm safety rules, tell people not to do something, and then 
you know, shortly thereafter, I mean, within a half an hour, a uh, firearm safety rule is getting violated. An example of that would be uh, a class where, again, start with a review of the firearm safety rules, fill out a waiver sheet, have everybody initial and sign and witness the forms and so forth. Then we go out to the range, and I could put the students out on the range. We've got, uh, normally when we're teaching on an indoor range, uh, at SIG anyway, it's not like a commercial range where you've got booths and so forth, it's just this big open area. So um, I might put the shooters, say, on the five-yard line, and I could have a shooter somewhere in the middle of the, of the line. So shooter's on his left, shooter's on his right, and I could uh, ask that shooter, Give me, you know, recite the four firearm safety rules. And one of the things he might say is, um, you know, always keep your muzzle pointed in a safe direction, um, which is kind of the way we word it at SIG. And he would actually be doing that, keeping the muzzle pointed in a safe direction. In that case, it'd be downrange. But after saying that, I could tell that person, okay, lock your slide to the rear. People that understand the firearm safety rules, as far as keeping your muzzle pointed in a safe direction, they know what they're supposed to do. They still bring the pistol in in front of their abdomen and turn it so that they can see the left side of the pistol where their slide catch lever and their arresting notch are. And in doing so, the pistol is now facing left with uh, people standing to the left side of them. So, you know, how can this happen? I mean, we just confirmed that the person knew what the firearm safety rule was, how come they uh, immediately violated it right after saying it? I think sometimes it's a case of somebody understands the theoretical application of something, uh, but not the practical application. They know the firearm safety rules, they know what they're supposed to do, but they don't know how to apply them when they're doing other handling skills or, or other skills out in the, in the real world. Basically, the student is doing two things. On one hand, they can observe the four firearm safety rules. But when they're manipulating their firearm, they're no longer thinking of the firearm safety rules anymore. They're thinking of manipulating the firearm. What our goal should be is, as both shooters and those of us uh, who instruct, and that's pretty much all of us. I mean, we're always trying to share the knowledge that we have, at least, you know, anybody I know that, that's in a shooting is trying to teach somebody else what they know. But uh, we want to be able to give the people we teach, you know, a foundation of safety that they, we then build upon when we're learning our techniques. Uh, we don't want it to be, I can be safe and then I can manipulate the firearm. We want both of those things to happen at the same time. Everything we do should be on that foundation of firearm safety. The foundation that we're going to build upon are the absolutes of firearm safety. And those absolutes are muzzle management and trigger finger discipline. Now, the way we word our firearm safety rules uh, at SIG is, um, first of all, first absolute of firearm safety, muzzle management. Keep your firearm pointed in a safe direction. So that should be pretty easy. Keep your firearm pointed in a safe direction. Well, one thing I like to do uh, in my classes is when I'm explaining this rule, then I'll ask the class, uh, tell me what a safe direction is. I will usually get somebody that will tell me down is a safe direction. Uh, somebody might say up. Somebody might say downrange. Those are the, the typical answers I get. And I point out that down might be a safe direction where we are right now. And 
usually in the classrooms that I teach in, there's no basement, there's nobody below us, so that's true. Uh, up can be a safe direction in those same classrooms. Uh, there's no second floor, so there's nobody above us. Uh, as far as downrange goes, that's going to be true when we're actually on the range, but you know, I point out that uh, at your house, you're clearing your firearm or you're uh, loading your firearm, for example. There's no downrange direction in your house, so that, again, isn't always going to be there for you. So we uh, want to define what a safe direction is, and the definition I use, a safe direction is a direction where if an unintentional discharge were to occur, there'd be no chance of personal injury and a minimal amount of property damage. So what we want to start wrapping our heads around is that's going to be environmentally dependent. It's going to depend on where we are, and it could be that safe direction could uh, change you know, depending on you know who's in the area or uh, other circumstances that might change. But the key point there is that safe directions where there's going to be no chance of personal injury. Uh, we don't want the muzzle pointing at uh, in a direction where anybody's going to get hurt at any time. Uh, other people uh, and ourselves as part of our techniques, our, our drawing techniques or our handling techniques. Again, nothing should be in front of the muzzle. The muzzle should be pointing in that safe direction. The other uh, absolute of firearm safety is trigger finger discipline. Keep your finger off the trigger until you're on target and have decided to fire. Trigger finger discipline is not just keeping your finger off the trigger because I can have my trigger finger off the trigger. I can just have it kind of floating there next to the trigger. But the problem becomes you know, kind of the way we as human beings react to various stimuli. Uh, for example, if I'm startled, you know, what do we typically do? We, we tend to tighten up. Our fingers tighten up. We make fists and our hands come up to guard our face. If I have a firearm in my hand and I have that startle reflex and my finger is either on the trigger or just next to it, kind of floating out in air, I may end up uh, with my finger depressing the trigger. You know, the heaviest triggers out there are 10, 12 pounds of pressure maybe. Uh, on a startle reflex, you can easily get 25 pounds of pressure uh, exerted by your index finger uh, just from being startled. So, again, a double-action trigger press isn't going to save you. Another thing we want to be concerned with is, you know, what do we tend to do when we lose balance? We grab for something to keep ourselves upright. And if we have a firearm in our hand, our finger's on the trigger, uh, again, real good chance we're going to tighten our trigger finger on that trigger and have that unintentional discharge. Another situation is what we call inner limb interaction. It has to do with the way the nervous system is in the body, the connection of the left side and the right side of the body. Uh, basically what this is, is if you're doing something vigorous with one side of your body, for example, uh, you're trying to grip with your left hand uh, as hard as you can, and if you're not paying attention to the right hand, the right hand has a tendency to want to tighten up as well. So if I have a firearm in my right hand and I'm trying to push somebody to safety with my left hand or I'm trying to open a door or pull something, again, if I'm not careful, my finger's on the trigger or in the neighborhood, my finger could end up on the trigger and, again, cause that unintentional discharge. So we tell people to keep their finger off the trigger, but we want to give them some guidance as to where to put the finger when they're not firing the pistol. 
Generally, that location is going to be on the frame of the pistol, and you're going to be pressing in on the frame of the pistol with a little bit of pressure, a firm pressure, you know, enough so that the blood starts, you know, leaving from underneath the fingernail should appear white. And with the finger in that orientation, if you do get that startle reflex or you lose your balance or some kind of inner limb interaction, instead of your finger going on the trigger, causing an intentional discharge, now you just press into the frame of whatever handgun you're using. I've seen, uh, you know, some people will ride their index finger on the front of the trigger guard, and although technically that is uh, having your finger off the trigger, uh, I think you'll find if you uh, have any kind of startle reflex or, you know, one of those stimuli we just talked about, the finger can easily snap off the front of the trigger guard and end up on the trigger. So um, my preferred position what I teach is up on the frame of the of the firearm so that anytime that index finger wants to tighten up it's just going to press onto the frame of the weapon and and not cause that unintentional discharge. So the reason we call muzzle management and trigger finger discipline are absolutes of firearm safety is that they're redundant levels of safety meaning uh, kind of like one of the uh, one of the people commented on the Facebook post uh, anytime you break more than one firearm safety rule, bad things are going to happen, or, or words to that effect. Uh, basically, if you if you look at muzzle management and trigger finger discipline, if you only break one of those rules at a time, nothing catastrophic is going to happen. Now, what do I mean by that? If you have good muzzle management, maybe you get your muzzle point in a good, safe direction, but you accidentally have your finger where it shouldn't be, and a round goes off, again, with good muzzle management, there's going to be no chance of personal injury because we're not pointing at ourselves or pointing at anybody else. The opposite of that, uh, maybe we've got bad muzzle management. Uh, maybe we uh, accidentally you know, have a pistol in our hand. Somebody calls our name. We turn to look and we move the, the muzzle in a direction we didn't intend to. Now maybe our muzzle's not in a safe direction anymore, but as long as we have good trigger finger discipline, the firearm isn't going to spontaneously discharge. All firearms of modern manufacture, even if they don't have external safeties, they've got internal safeties built upon the action of the, the trigger itself. So uh, absent something pulling that trigger, the weapon's not going to spontaneously discharge. So again, redundant levels of safety. As long as we don't break both of those, nothing catastrophic is going to happen. Now, just because we can violate one of those rules at a time doesn't mean that we're that we want to do that on purpose. They're, they're redundant levels of safety. They're like if you're going to skydive, you know, you have your main chute and your reserve chute in case something goes wrong. You don't rely on just one. Firearm, the absolutes of firearm safety kind of work the same way. Now, there are other firearm safety rules. We're going to leave that for a, a future episode. Uh, what I want to do is thank you for listening to this episode. Please give me any feedback, email address john at gunfightercast.com. Uh, you can also comment on the Facebook page as well. Um, be happy to hear any feedback you have on this episode, any suggestions for future topics, uh, any questions you'd like me to answer. Give me something to talk about. I would appreciate the help. So thank you for downloading, listening, subscribing to the podcast. And until next time... Gunfighter cast out.